Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for standing by. Welcome to Interject's Renewable Energy's 2020 fourth quarter and year-end results conference call and webcast. Bienvenue à la conférence téléphonique et à la web diffusion des résultats du quatrième trimestre et de l'exercice 2020 d'Energect's Énergie Renouvelable. At this time, all participants on the phone and internet are in listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session for analysts and institutional investors and instructions will be provided at that time for you to queue up for questions. If anyone has any difficulties hearing the conference, please press star followed by zero for operator assistance at any time. I would like to remind everyone that the conference call is being recorded. I'll now turn the conference over to Karine Vachon, Senior Director, Communications. Please go ahead. Thank you. Hello everyone and thank you for joining us today. I'd like to specify that this conference will be held in English. Members of the media are invited to ask their questions by phone after this call. A presentation supporting today's discussion is available as we speak on the homepage of our website at www.interject.com. This call contains forward-looking statements within the meeting of applicable securities laws. Although the corporation believes that the expectations and assumptions on which forward-looking statements are based are reasonable under the current circumstances, Listeners are cautioned not to rely on Julie on these forward-looking statements, as no assurance can be given that it will prove to be correct. Forward-looking information contained herein is made as of the date of this call, and the corporation does not undertake any obligation to update or revise any forward-looking information, whether as a result of events or circumstances occurring after the date hereof, unless so required by law. During this call, we will refer to financial measures that are not recognized according to international financial reporting standards. Please refer to the non-EFRS measures section of the MDNE for more information. Our speakers today will be Mr. Jean-François Nau, Chief Financial Officer, who will present Q4 and year-end results, and Mr. Michel Eteillé, President and Chief Executive Officer, who will review our operational highlights. And I'll turn over the conference to Mr. Nau. Thank you, Karine. Hello, everyone. I am pleased to report strong financial results. The growth we posted in 2020 over last year is mainly attributable to the commissioning of the Phoebe Solar and the Fort City Wind facilities in late 2019, and the contribution of the Salvador and Montaner acquisitions completed in May and July 2020. Production and revenues from the year were up 24% and 10% respectively compared to the same period last year. Adjusted EBITDA was up by 3% while adjusted EBITDA proportionate was up by 8%. Before going further, I would like to stress that we are reporting on a continued operations basis which excludes HSRCA from the 2019 results. On page eight, we will comment on the three-month period results 
while the remaining of the presentation comments will be made on the full year results. For the three-month period ended December 31, 2020, adjusted EBITDA increased by 14% compared to the same period last year. This increase was mainly attributable to a higher contribution from the hydro facilities in British Columbia and Quebec and to the Montaner and Salvador acquisitions completed in 2020. These items were partly offset by lower revenues from the Ford City due to an unfavorable net setting price and higher operational expenses and a lower contribution from the France wind facilities. The joint ventures and associates contributed $15.5 million to the adjusted EBITDA proportionate compared with a contribution of $20.1 million in the same quarter last year. This decrease was mainly due to a lower contribution from the Shannon and Flaptop facilities, mostly due to unfavorable net selling prices, partly offset by higher contribution from Jimmy Creek and Toba Montrose facilities. In addition, the proportionate PTC's production tax credit increased from $17.8 million to $19.6 million due to the higher production from the wind farms located in the United States. Overall, adjusted EBITDA proportionate increased by 8% compared to the same period last year. On page 9, for the year-end December 31, 2020, hydroelectric power generation segment generated $173.9 million in adjusted EBITDA, representing a 2% increase compared to the same period last year, mainly due to a higher contribution from the facilities in British Columbia, despite the curtailment imposed by BC Hydro for five facilities. Operational expenses in British Columbia were higher compared to last year due to a favorable settlement of the water rights claim in 2019. Wind power generation segment generated $263.9 million in adjusted EBITDA, representing a 4% increase compared to the same period last year. This increase was mainly attributable to the Montaner acquisition completed earlier in the year, the commissioning of the Fort City wind farm in late 2019, and higher revenues from most facilities in France. These items were partly offset by a lower contribution from the Quebec facilities and temporary shutdowns and production restrictions at some facilities in France. Solar power generation segment generated $39.2 million in adjusted EBITDA, representing a 26% increase compared to last year, due mainly to the commissioning of the Phoebe Solar facility in late 2019 and to the Salvador acquisition completed earlier in 2020. On page 10, the 8% increase in adjusted EBITDA proportionate in 2020 is mainly due to the production tax credit generated 
by the Ford City Wind Farm following its commissioning and higher revenues at the Toba Montrose and Dokey facilities. These items were partly offset by a lower contribution from the U.S. wind facilities explained by lower revenue from unfavorable net selling prices, a lower contribution from the facilities in Chile, as well as by a lower contribution from the Jimmy Creek facility, mostly due to the curtailment imposed by BC Hydro. Continuing on page 11, the $122.2 million increase in long-term debt is related to construction activities at Hillcrest and Griffin Trail and to the long-term loans and borrowings assumed in the Montaner acquisition. This increase was partly offset by the corporate revolving credit facility repayment made following Hydro-Quebec private placement net of the amounts used toward the respective purchase price of Montaner and Salvador acquisitions. On page 12, changes in the total assets stem mainly from the increase in property plant and equipment related to Salvador and Montaner acquisitions, the increase derived from the construction activities related to Hillcrest, the Griffin Trail projects, and the increase in investment tax credit recoverable relating to Hillcrest construction costs. These increases were partly offset by $228.5 million in depreciation and amortization and a $65.1 million decrease in investment in joint ventures and associates due to distribution received and an impairment charge on the investment in Energia Lima. Changes in total liabilities stem mainly from the increase in long-term debt and the increase in derivative financial instruments due to a general decrease in interest rate curves. The change in shareholder equity is explained by the private placement of $661 million to Hydro-Quebec and an increase in non-controlling interest stemming from the Montaner acquisitions. These items were partly offset by dividend declared on common and preferred shares. As shown on page 13, the free cash flow remained constant on a trailing 12-month basis. The factors that has impacted the free cash flow are the free cash flow contribution of recently acquired commission projects, the higher contribution from Energex Hydro facilities in British Columbia, and lower interest payment on the corporate revolving facilities concurrent with the Hydro-Quebec private placement. These favorable items were partly offset by the BC Hydro imposed curtailment, the sale of Energex ownership interest in HSRK in May 2019, a lower contribution from the Quebec wind facilities the higher general and administrative expenses to support the corporation growth. Free cash flow was also negatively impacted by an increase in debt principal repayments and by the recovery of maintenance capital expenditures and prospective project expenses following the sale of HSRK in 2019. For the trailing 12 months ended December 31, 2020, 
The payout ratio amounted to 135% of free cash flow, compared with 102% for the corresponding period last year. When normalizing its free cash flow and payout ratio with the non-recurring curtailment imposed by BC Hydro and the decrease in corporate revolving facility interest payment, combined with the increase in the quarterly dividend, Energex estimates its payout ratio to be at 109%. Also, the Board of Directors has decided to maintain the annual dividend at $0.72 cents per common share for 2021 in light of the foreseeable growth plan, both in terms of acquisition and greenfield development. Before I conclude, let me update you on the Texas situation on which we recently issued a press release. At the time of the press release, we estimated the financial impact of the recent weather events to be on a consolidated basis between 45 million to 60 million Canadian dollars. This estimate was based on the publicly available information as at February 17th. Energex now estimates that the financial impact of the weather events during the storm that persisted until February 20th has reached on a consolidated basis approximately 80 million Canadian dollars, mainly due to the unfavorable impact from the realized loss on the power edges on Flattop, Phoebe, and Shannon sites. This financial estimate could still change as additional information becomes available. Force measure and other mitigating possibilities are being evaluated. On that note, I will give the floor to Michel for the operational review of the past year. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Jean-François, and uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, I think that we, we have to cover a little bit of uh, this uh, Texas uh, situation uh, before going to uh, the, uh, the review of the year and a little bit of a forecast for next year. It's very unfortunate uh, that we had to um, uh, to live through this uh, crisis. It's a financial crisis, but it's also a human uh, crisis. A lot of uh, Texans uh, uh, residents had uh, uh, gone through a really uh, bad time last uh, last week. Uh, just like to uh, also uh, say thanks to our uh, dedicated employees that uh, gone through this crisis, even though uh, they were facing uh, uh, some problem at home. Uh, and they um, they went on site. Uh, it's true also for uh, the Vestas and the G uh, guy that uh, help uh, maintain our facility. So it was not an easy situation. I would stress that uh, it was uh, quite extreme in terms of uh, temperature and also duration, and that has led uh, the PUC to arbitrarily come up uh, with a ceiling or floor uh, price of electricity for quite a long period of time, and as you all read, it's uh, it's standard for uh, a period of a uh, few days at $9,000 per kilowatt hour, which is extreme. Um, one could say and look back and say, well, it could have been foreseeable that uh, these things could have happened. It's true, 
but when you put all these uh, uh, stats uh, together, it was very, very difficult to forecast that uh, that type of uh, magnitude, both in terms of weather um, uh, event and also on pricing and duration. Over and above that, as you uh, you you've, you've seen our press release and probably read about it in the uh, in the press. Um, the, uh, the extreme weather had brought and started with freezing rain that uh, unfortunately has froze up uh, our plant in flat top. Um, and the crews were trying to uh, come up with a solution, but unfortunately the weather persisted and also all the road access were very, very difficult and icy, so hands prohibiting uh, big trucks and uh, supply to come to, to sites. So it was a little bit also a perfect storm in the sense that unfortunately uh, our other sites were available. Uh, we have Shannon and we also have um, uh, Phoebe and Ford. Uh, they were available to produce, but somehow at the, at the throughout that crisis, we, we've seen lower uh, wind regime and overcast situation and some, some snow also that has the uh, reduce the capacity of solar plant to produce and when, of course, to, to produce. So all that was uh, very, I would say, come up with this uh, notion of being caught in the perfect storm. Are we happy with this? No. Uh, but we, we, uh, we had already initiated a, uh, a new strategy in uh, our investment in the uh, United States. If you remember, uh, we were talking about Griffin Trail, uh, a very different uh, approach where we have secured the uh, minimum uh, uh, revenue for the project to uh, satisfy the tax equity because one has to understand that all these power hedges were put in place in Texas in, uh, in lieu of uh, securing the tax equity financing for the PTC and the ITC in, uh, in, this, uh, in, this, uh, in this market. So um, I would say that uh, we wanted to get out of these uh, power edges. Uh, it was not necessarily easy. We were in the midst of uh, talking to uh, some of our tax equity partner at the time, but we definitely wanted to have a different structure in Griffin Trail, and we did. We did also a different approach with Ford, which worked very well. We have uh, a, a PPA uh, uh, based on us produced electricity for Ford, on 300 megawatt out of 350, and we kept 50 megawatt of uh, exposure to merchant. And actually, Ford did very, very, very well in in the last uh, you know through that crisis. And if uh, Griffin Trail would have been uh, built and in service, uh, Griffin Trail would have done a fantastic uh, financial uh, result during that uh, that period of time. So, bear with us. We, we want to have a different approach for Texas, and we did, and we had already initiated this new strategy. We, will, we, we want also to invest uh, uh, differently in the United States, and we've shown through Hillcrest uh, development, that 200 megawatt in Ohio that uh, we're going to talk about uh, on, in, in terms of construction. We also made an acquisition, Mountain Air, that uh, diversified our footprint in, uh, in the United States, and those uh, projects are fully uh, uh, contracted. So 
we, we, we just want to make sure that uh, you guys understand that we're not happy with what happened. Uh, we want to take uh, uh, this as a good lesson learned and try to find ways also to improve going forward. There might be some possibility of uh, reducing this uh, potential liability, as uh, Jean-Francois said. I think that the oil industry in Texas is uh, now sitting down and looking back at what happened and are hopefully uh, coming up with uh, new rules that would uh, in enable that market to be, uh, I would say, more stable. I know that ERCOT and PUC and the governor and probably also on the federal level, they'll all sit down. Uh, this is going to uh, generate a lot of negotiation, a lot of uh, new IDs, uh, and I'm hoping that at the end of the day, uh, this crisis would have uh, will change Texas to be a better place to uh, to invest and to uh, to take advantage of the great resources that that uh, state has in terms of renewable energy. So that being said, I'll I'll be available also to answer some questions at the at the end. But uh, just want to make uh, sure also that uh, we, um, uh, we we wanted to say that we're not taking this as a as a small uh, um, back. Uh, I would how do we say uh, it, it's not a, a small hit, uh, but uh, it's definitely something that uh, is uh, is uh, out there in the sense that uh, we. We, we knew that uh, these uh, contracts were not perfect, and we, uh, we certainly had a different uh, strategy, and I, I'm hoping that you guys are going to focus on, on this. Uh, in terms of, uh, of uh, corporate development at this time of the year, we always go back uh, uh, to look at, uh, to, to do a little bit of a look back on what we have done during the year. And uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pleased to report that uh, 2020 was a very busy year. Uh, just to you know, remember together on page 16 that we welcome Hydro Quebec uh, in our uh, uh, in our um, as a shareholder uh, and also as a, a joint venture uh, potential partner to develop uh, project renewable project uh, uh, together. So we're quite uh, quite happy and and on that aspect we have uh, start to work with the team of Hydro Quebec, but. COVID-19 had slowed down a little bit the effort that we were able to put together, but definitely uh, this uh, alliance is, uh, is something that we want to uh, mature and, uh, and uh, take advantage of. Uh, we also did uh, two acquisitions. We've done a, an acquisition in Chile called Salvador. It's a solar uh, plant that is doing uh, just, uh, just great. And also we bought six wind farm in Idaho uh, the project called Montaner, if you remember. So these are also part of the strategy to diversify our uh, footprint in the United States. And also those two acquisitions, if you remember, were made on the basis of uh, making sure that it's helping uh, the, uh, the corporation to build up its cash-on-cash uh, -cash, uh, uh, short-term position to improve actually our uh, ability to uh, help reduce our payout ratio. So we've said that Hemini uh, will be a tool in our toolbox to improve on this and to create value for our shareholders. And those two acquisitions 
are two uh, good examples of what uh, we intend to do with uh, M&A. So on page uh, 17, uh, also pleased to report that we've been busy in construction activities in, uh, in 2020. Uh, we, uh, we were hoping to uh, have uh, Ilcrest finished by December, uh, but the COVID and the temperature, I must say the, temp the temperature in Ohio was uh, quite rainy uh, throughout the years, and that uh, had uh, created a little bit of uh, issue for our uh, uh, contractor to install the, uh, the panel. But all in all, I am very uh, hopeful that uh, by uh, beginning of April, we should be all finished. We're producing uh, electricity as we speak. Uh, it's just a matter of finalizing uh, all the, uh, the the connection and testing all the the system. So pretty uh, pretty uh, pretty hopeful that uh, by the beginning of uh, April, uh, things will uh, will be in full uh, in full uh, production. Uh, Inevic uh, project in the in the north of Quebec has uh, has been advanced quite well. If you remember, we were afraid uh, because of the pandemic we would not be able to start construction, and at the end of the day, we were able to establish a good uh, uh, system where uh, our employees were safe and also the local residents were safe, and we did uh, quite a bit of advancement in Inevic. Very happy to. Uh, uh, to look back at what happened during the year, and we're in a position to start the construction as soon as springs uh, come back. Um, the small project in France called Yon, it's not a big project, but like we said, it's our first uh, project to be fully permitted and built by uh, Energex team in France. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, days to, to be fully uh, interconnected uh, with uh, RTA in France, so everything went very well. Uh, very happy to have our first uh, in-house uh, project to be uh, developed and uh, built in uh, in France. And a little bit of the surprise of last year was the Griffin Trail uh, project I just mentioned in Texas. Uh, this is very different from a power edge. Uh, we are exposed to the uh, merchant pricing over there, but we don't have any exposure uh, to cover our uh, production in Texas. So this uh, is, in, in a way, a good achievement in the sense that we have convinced the tax equity provider uh, to, um, to have this uh, new structure to benefit, uh, the, uh, to, to benefit for us and not being forced into power hedge. As we mentioned, this is something that we will not do in the future. And this approach of Griffin Trail, we would like to uh, perhaps have uh, exposure to some corporate PPA in uh, in Texas, just as uh, Ford. So this is something that uh, our team is going to work also to have a portion being uh, PPA based, but as produced, so that we don't want to have uh, this uh, problem of uh, being short of electricity to service the, those PPA. But things are going very well in Griffin Trail in terms of construction. Uh, we have used the same theme as uh, we've done in Ford, and uh, actually I'm pretty uh, pretty enthusiastic on how fast these guys are, are doing. We have, uh, to this date, all the foundation and all the uh, major uh, uh, civil uh, infrastructure are done. Uh, we have about 20, uh, 20 uh, turbines already erected, and if things uh, are going well in terms of uh, weather, we're putting uh, almost two turbines per day, so we, we need another 40, 45 days, perhaps, 
of uh, good weather to uh, finalize these uh, erection of uh, the turbines. Uh, on page 18, development activities uh, have been also uh, on the forefront of the uh, of uh, 2020. Uh, remember that we have uh, four projects in Hawaii that we are working uh, hard to uh, get the permits and start construction on two of them. Uh, so this is uh, this is this something that is very important for us because, as you know, uh, this is uh, uh, coupling uh, solar and batteries, and in a market where air, uh, the the uh, the uh, local utility uh, is uh, concerned and, and wants to develop some good uh, technical aspect to have this uh, wind and solar be introduced. So we're learning a lot. And I think that these uh, these experience or these projects will help us uh, replicate these type of uh, of project uh, around uh, on our market. I think uh, solar and battery are the way to go in many uh, many uh, many markets to develop uh, renewable energy and to be able to supply capacity through the evening. Uh, we also have uh, made uh, a good advancement in the project Tonnerre, which is only a battery, and this is also a good uh, first, uh, first uh, commercial uh, transaction with Evlo, which is the subsidiary of Hydro-Quebec. Uh, Evlo is uh, producing and, uh, and uh, selling a very good battery. Uh, we uh, were proud to be the first customer of uh, Hydro-Quebec in, in this, and we love to be able to deploy more uh, battery uh, storage uh, initiative uh, together with the low and uh, potentially some, some, some other uh, supplier. But we like uh, to uh, develop this relationship with Hydro-Quebec where they have a great expertise on how to uh, manage a grid. So we're very hopeful that this uh, first uh, project will uh, bring uh, many more in, in the future. And uh, in, in terms of Chile, we, we have uh, continued developing Frontera, and as you know, as I spoke uh, about San Carlos uh, water rights that we, we own uh, just upstream Frontera. Uh, San Carlos is also advancing in terms of permitting. Uh, with the COVID, uh, everything has slowed down a little bit in Chile. Uh, but we're uh, developing, uh, like I said, uh, some other uh, leads in uh, in in uh, in Chile. Uh, also, some solar project that we're looking some uh, some thermal uh, solar project. Also, we're answering some uh, RFP from uh, um, from a uh, copper mine in uh, in Chile, and uh, so very very still uh, positive on on the future output of uh, Chile. Uh, this year, on page 19, we're, we're giving you and we're going to uh, uh, report on this on a quarterly basis, is the prospective project. We, we're trying to give you a little bit more color on how advanced uh, these projects are. I think that uh, in the past, they were lumped into one big, uh, one big category. But uh, we think that uh, bringing you a little bit more color on how advanced these projects are through three categories is going to give you a little bit more perspective on how successful uh, we're advancing these, uh, these projects. And I'm pretty, pretty happy on the, um, uh, the advancement we did in 2020. 
Uh, you're seeing that we, uh, we have advanced solar. You know that we want to work in the United States in uh, deploying our uh, solar panel that uh, are basically grandfathering uh, or pre-qualifying uh, pre some uh, up to about 600 megawatt of uh, solar project in the state with full ITC and uh, very happy to have 200 megawatt, but you're seeing also on mid-stage that we have another 300 megawatt, 370 megawatt. So working hard on, on that aspect and uh, working also to diversify through uh, PGM, uh, uh, Pennsylvania, Ohio, west of, uh, uh, northwest of uh, the United States, it's also a target uh, for these type of projects. We're developing wind as well. We have, uh, portfolio in the U.S. Uh, that is uh, very promising uh, as well. So going forward, uh, you will uh, hear us on every quarter giving you some update like this. Uh, we want to make sure that also France is developing well in uh, in, in this. We, uh, we are advancing uh, France. It's an important market for us. It's not a big project, but those projects have usually good economics. So uh, also putting a lot of uh, effort in uh, in France. On page 20, uh, we just want to give you a little bit of uh, guidelines for uh, for the next year, 2021. Uh, we'd like we'd love to be able to uh, increase our production by about 15%, revenue by 12, adjusted EBITDA by 12, and also adjusted the EBITDA proportionate by about 12%. So. I think we're we're going into the right direction uh, there. Uh, of course, we want to improve also on the cash on cash or the uh, the cash flow generation uh, uh, in 2021. Same uh, same strategy here. We want to make sure that we are developing our own project and use M&A as a tool to rebalance the uh, cash on cash. Uh, you've seen what we've done last year in Montaner in Salvador. So all the team, uh, M&E team, are focused to deliver the, uh, this uh, again in 2021. Uh, if we go to page 21, uh, I w we we just want to give you a little bit of uh, what we what we forecast for the 2025 uh, strategic plan uh, uh, timeline. Love to be able, as we said in the past, to uh, provide a 10% uh, adjusted EBITDA. But what we are uh, well, focusing more and giving you more guidance now is to uh, also bring a, an increase of about 12% on free cash flow per share by 2025. So that's a commitment that the, uh, the corporation has. Yes, we want to grow the EBDA, but we also want to grow the uh, cash flow per share to improve our payout ratio, and as I mentioned, uh, M&A will uh, play a role with this, but also our own development pipeline project that uh, that we are uh, developing. So on this, uh, I think that we will be opening the floor, and I thank you, and uh, Jean-François and myself are available. Thank you. If you would like to ask a question, please press star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. To withdraw your question, please press the pound key. We'll pause for just a moment to compile the Q&A roster. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Your first question will come from Rupert Mayer from National Bank. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. If we can start with uh, with Texas. So outside of the benefit of Griffin Trail, which will diversify your contracts, what can you do to reduce the risk of of having a similar outcome in, in the future? Have you looked at adding de-icing technology and maybe talked about what that would cost or uh, what your opportunities are to make changes to your, your head strategy? Well, that's a good point, uh, Rupert. I think that Texas, now tax equity, are going to be also, a, I would say, a partner also in trying a solution. In the past, they were acting more as a, as a lender, sort of speak. But with, uh, with this happening, uh, of course, the, uh, the power hedge provider have now uh, come up as potential uh, uh, lender or, or creditor uh, in, in these things. So suddenly, tax equity uh, are uh, now a, an equity partner. They, all, they were always an equity partner, but they were kind of a preferred equity partner, almost like a well, almost like a lender. They, they were acting more like a lender, and so I think that uh, they will be part also of the solution. In the past, we were trying to unwind these things and then find a financial solution to uh, unwind these things, and they were very, very reluctant to engage. We were trying to reduce the exposure in Shannon uh, for the last year or so, and it's always difficult, always complicated to, to get their attention on, on these things. So now that uh, they're part of the solution and they're basically sitting on the same side of the table for uh, uh, than us, uh, I think we, we, we will be in a position to uh, unwind some of these uh, uh, power edges, either by reducing them completely or going a little bit like uh, Ford or Griffin Trail and having them uh, the time to uh, renegotiate perhaps some corporate PPA or different uh, different approach. But the icing uh, stuff and technology, you know, if we go back to uh, Flattop, it, it's true that if Flattop would have been in a better position to produce, uh, we would have incurred a, a lot less losses because we would have been producing uh, throughout this uh, this period. But the, but the problem is this nine $9,000 ceilings that uh, was introduced, and I think that um, this is something that will have to change in Texas going forward. Um, of course, like I said, I think we will be in a position or trying to be in a position to get rid of these liability, these power hedges, get out of these positions. Uh, but nonetheless, that wouldn't solve the problem of, uh, of Texas per se. I think that uh, this is a good time to reflect on, uh, on the market rules. And perhaps uh, it's been a while that Texas was uh, entertaining some uh, discussion around capacity payment. As you 
may uh, all know, Texas doesn't have any capacity payment. They rely on uh, having this big volatility on energy pricing to entice uh, investor investor to um, to invest in Texas, but that has uh, those limits. You know, at at one point, what is nine thousand dollar going to do to uh, induce uh, people to try to produce when you're frozen, when uh, when the line, the gas line is frozen, when the pipe uh, water pipe are frozen. What else can you do? I mean, $9,000 is not helping anybody. It's just creating chaos. And I think that people will uh, will realize that. I also think that uh, they might uh, reconsider being uh, interconnected to the rest of uh, of the, the country. They only have a few interconnection uh, to, to the rest of the state, the neighboring uh, states. So uh, all these, I think, will, uh, will come up and uh, there will be a lot of discussion. So yes, we could definitely look into perhaps uh, uh, look into what we could do in in our own facility to improve uh, our ability to produce with uh, cold weather. But, you know, even in Canada, uh, a lot of our wind farms are, are froze up in, uh, you know, in a recurrent uh, occasion in Canada. It's just that we, we are building these uh, downtime in, in our long-term forecast. Uh, and, and 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 that's it. It's just that uh, when you're not producing, it's sad. But you're not uh, you're not losing. You don't have to cover yourself with very very high pricing. And this is what happened in Texas. This is the main reason why we had suffered these losses. Is the fact that uh, the price went through the roof at nine thousand dollars per kilowatt. Thank you. And what do your contracts say about force majeure? And what does that process look like from here? Well, it, it, we will be in litigation, uh, 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 Rupert. So I, I will not comment on on this that much. I, I'm I'm just saying that uh, I think that uh, a lot of players uh, have retained uh, uh, litigator. We have we're in the process of evaluating all our position and uh, and how to react. We're in a position where. Our um, settlement uh, date are uh, on a monthly basis, so we have a few weeks before uh, we have to uh, make uh, our well, position uh, uh, clearer. We we have issued force majeure to our uh, hedge provider, and uh, I think that uh, some other folks have o- only five days to to settle, and they are right now in the middle of uh, some discussion. So. This is going to be a very dynamic uh, uh, situation in in the sense that a lot of players are going to um, be uh, in in this. Um, What I can say is this, uh, what we have provided is is the maximum liability that we have. And and one has to remember also that uh, we own 100% of Phoebe, we own 100% of Ford, but we only own 50% of uh, flat top and 50% of Shannon, and those are non-recourse to uh, to interject. So there's no way that uh, this can uh, filter and increase uh, the financial liability to interjects whatsoever uh, more than its uh, equity portion in Shannon and uh, and uh, and flat top. Okay, great. I'll, I'll get back in the queue. Thank you. Thank you, Ruben. Your next question comes from David Kazada from Raymond James. Please go ahead. Your line is open. 
Thanks. Morning, guys. Um, just a, a quick question, uh, a follow-up here um, on Texas. Michelle, I think you just uh, described the $80 million. Maybe I should just confirm this with you, that it was that it was $80 million, but I think you also mentioned that there might be some movement in that number. Would that kind of suggest that you think the $80 million is the high end of what the exposure could be and you expect any changes to that number would be to, to reduce it? Well, yes. Well, right now, and I, I, of course, we're in the middle of uh, the crisis. There, there's litigation going <laughs> all over the place. There's politicians sitting down with uh, ERCOT, PUC. But what we're hearing is that uh, a lot of uh, stakeholders are questioning uh, this $9,000 and also uh, the, the 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 time that $9,000 were effectively uh, enforced. So anything that uh, that uh, come out of those discussions that would reduce that uh, that $9,000 or the numbers of hours that that $9,000 were uh, input would be directly proportionate. You know, if you if you if you would bring the uh, that uh, ceiling to three uh, or or four. Then, uh, then suddenly our exposure would be limited to something around uh, 30, 30 ish million dollars. So, what we what we want is be very transparent in in this. And and some of you might have been surprised that 80 million dollar that that 80 million dollars stand versus the uh, the 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 ceiling well, or the the range we had provided. But bear with us. We we were in the middle of the crisis. We wanted to give you. Uh, some guidance uh, early on that crisis, and uh, and uh, we were trying to forecast what would be uh, happening in uh, in uh, further the, during the week, and we we were surprised by Thursday losses that we had incurred. Uh, there were very little sun, and the forecast had uh, forecast a little bit more sun, and the 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 the, the, the cold temperature continued. And unfortunately, a very weak uh, wind uh, happened in the night uh, of Friday uh, to, to Thursday, Thursday to Friday, and that increased the uh, the um, the losses uh, versus the, our call on on Wednesday. Uh, so yes, I think that the 80 is the maximum exposure that we have, and again, it's a it's a potential liability. Uh, we haven't settled. We haven't sent any cash yet. Uh, to uh, the third party. Uh, so, like I said, it's a little bit early. Uh, everybody are scramblings with lawyers and then and, and, and arguments and then meetings and stuff like that. So, I think that uh, we'll know we'll know in uh, in the next few days if uh, PUC and ERCOT are revisiting the uh, that uh, ceiling pricing and. If they do, I guess that will uh, will issue perhaps, and will keep uh, the market uh, in line with uh, with those news. That's great, caller. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's certainly a very dynamic situation. Um, and then maybe just one one related uh, question, just with respect to your 2021 outlook and the 12% year-over-year EBITDA target. I guess that uh, you'll probably wait until things settle down, settle out with the the little litigation and the force majeure before you. Look to, I guess, potentially revise that number. Yes, I agree, and, and this was normalized without that uh, that uh, settle, settlement. So yes, we'll we'll give you um, more color as uh, as this uh, situation unfolds. Excellent. Thank you very much for that. I'll I'll get back in the queue. Thank you.
Your next question comes from Sean Stewart from TD Securities. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Thanks. Good morning, and, and thank you for all the, uh, the detail. Uh, Michelle, the U.S. is still 23% of your, your prospective um, capacity pipeline. And as you gravitate away from the hedge contract structure, I, I just your comments on appetite for more merchant exposure, I, I guess you prefer to set corporate PPAs where you have price certainty. But if, if more merchant exposure is a part of the plan, can you comment on a need to build out an energy marketing component to the, to your company. Uh, is that something that's a part of your thought process going forward? That's a good. Uh, no, that's a good point, Sean. We we had. I don't know how 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 much we can describe that in percentage, but we increased uh, our team from zero to two uh, uh, two expert in in. Uh, in uh, I went in trading, but also origination. Uh, uh, origination. Thank you, uh, Jean-François. So we want to be more uh, more out there. There's some new platform also that have have been uh, put in place where uh, it's a little bit like uh, an electronic uh, dates between producer and corporate uh, off-taker. That platform is uh, actually uh, pretty dynamic and it's helping. It has uh, already proved. Uh, Benefit from uh, for us, we we have uh, initiated term sheet with uh, some uh, corporate uh, off taker for some uh, some project in the states. So this is uh, a very interesting. I would say I, I would add up also on this notion of uh, merchant. We um, we want to have uh, some exposure to merchant and depends on in in, in what market. I think Texas with I think uh, a, a good uh, a good example of uh, not necessarily being uh, forced to deliver capacity when you have a ver variable uh, uh, asset, and um, but but Ford is probably what we are aiming to, having the majority of the output being under contract and having a little bit of a, of a exposure so that uh, you, you're not. Necessarily uh, all uh, all in for a lower price of electricity, uh, but so the, you you can have access to those spikes. Uh, but talking about also Texas and and perhaps uh, you 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 have seen some negative pricing in some area. And Texas is notorious in the northwest of Texas to see these uh, things happening. And, and, and low price of electricity. But I think there's a, a game changer uh, here is, uh, is hydrogen. Uh, you know, uh, green hydrogen uh, will play a role in the demand and being able also to stabilize these uh, volatile market because electrolyzer can be switched on and off almost uh, immediately. And that doesn't hurt the, the process at all. I think that uh, just to give you a perspective uh, for some of you that knows the, the uh, those mats with uh, with hydrogen, but it takes between 50 and 55 kilowatt uh, uh, hour to produce a, a kilogram of uh, green hydrogen. So put that 50 and and put the two, uh, 20 dollar per megawatt hour or two cents per kilowatt hour, and then the variable cost in terms of energy to produce a green. Uh, a green hydrogen, a kilogram of green hydrogen is about the dollar. So that gives you a little bit of a perspective that uh, if price are 
low in a region and 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 then you have this ability to go and install electrolyzer and transfer that very low uh, renewable energy into green hydrogen, this is going to hack a little bit as a buffer and as a floor to see price of electricity going forward. So I'm, I'm getting more and more optimistic in the sense that uh, this market will not be uh, in a position to have very long uh, and prolonged low, low price of electricity there will be some arbitrage to be to be done and these electrolyzer can be installed fairly quickly and and also they can be mobile so if for some reason you have a five years ten years uh, uh outcome in terms of uh, area being uh, uh weak in pricing you you could install these things and and uh and then i think that eventually price of electrolyzer will go down and so I don't think we will be uh, seeing uh, these type of market having very, very low price of electricity. Uh, they, will, they will be acting also as Texas, you know, these things can be stopped. So you can take advantage of very low electricity when it is available. And if there's a spike, you shut down this, uh, this electrolyzer and then you flow through this, the electricity to the, to, the, uh, to the market and then take advantage perhaps on high pricing. So, uh, I think that, that there will be a lot of um, uh, outcome uh, and potentially positive outcome in some area where you see these pricing today that are very low. Uh, green hydrogen will make a revolution uh, around these markets in the future. That's great detail. You actually uh, answered my second question with the, uh, the answer to the first. I will uh, I'll turn it over. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Sean. Your next question comes from Mark Darby from CIBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Thanks. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, good morning. Just want a, a few more details around on the Texas and potential losses. It sounds like the $80 million is, is net of any EBITDA gains from PowerGrid or assets they could generate. Can you quantify at this point? Because yeah. the losses are below the line on EBITDA. What is the impact uh, through EBITDA? Uh, Mark, uh, you're right. So we should see a pickup in our EBITDA and then uh, on realized losses on financial instruments on one side and a loss of share of loss of joint ventures and associates for all the realized loss on Shannon and Flattop. It's too early to guide you, but you will see uh, quite a good pickup in adjusted EBITDA. Uh, we should see coming in a big loss on power edges, on financial instruments. So uh, we have decided not to disclose, you know, the pro forma of Q1 in that fashion, but this will happen this way, uh, Mark, exactly. I, I okay. think that, guys, I, I think, guys, it, it's a little bit early, and that's why we're trying to, to give you um, the financial impact, but we, we're, we're still negotiating. We're, we're, we're going to have a lot of discussion with our uh, power hedges uh, supplier, and 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 also we're 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 in tune with uh, whatever uh, the policy or, or uh, adjustment in pricing that uh, ERCOT might uh, might communicate in the in the days ahead. So bear with us. I, I think we're we're giving you the Ultimate and 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 maximum fi financial impact, and and we are going to work hard in the next uh, few weeks trying to mitigate this. 
but the net impact on net earning will come to around 80 million. So, and this is ex also excluding all of the potential reset on mark to market on any other. So, it's it will become from easy to more complex to analyze all this at this time. So, Michelle is right. So we. Uh... Okay. Thanks for that detail. And then, can you just, in terms of how you settle these losses, I, I know you kind of do it on a monthly basis, but in terms of the, where the cash comes from, I, I think that maybe some of these projects. Have, might have a reserve fund, and I'm just curious how much capital from interjects, like from 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 the from the corporate level, has to go in to to cover these losses, and does that slow your willingness to either do M&A or, or take on new development projects until you have clarity on how much sort of corporate cash infusion you need to do to settle these losses? Well, that's a good point, Mark, and. Uh... As for each of the projects, they provide a tracking account, they call the, the bank, so, and this is settled monthly. So up to now, not, like Michelle had said, nothing has been settled. So at the month end, uh, we will receive the final invoices. So what we have on end is daily statement of account of the tracking account. So the 80 million is coming from those statements, but nothing has been settled for now. So. The, the the level of the tracking account never been disclosed for those three projects up to now, but uh, let's say that the 80 million, if we needed to refund everything above the tracking account, which is around 15 million for two projects and 12 million maybe for Phoebe, so then maybe what you would have to disburse could be a bit lower than the 80 million if you follow me, but uh, but this is the way it works at the project level, but. As I said, it's, we don't want to comment too too precisely on this, given the the current uh, uh, litigation that is on ongoing. But to, you know, you know, Mark, in, in a way, uh, a little bit crazy. But Ford made money. You know, Ford has more cash flow. If everything sells this this way, it's very positive for for Ford, which is very the one the the the, the one that has been hurt the most is uh, of course slapped up because it hasn't produced for all that period uh the uh the pain is uh is then a little bit more um, uh towards the uh the flat top where uh, theoretically we'll have to sit down and 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 see what we 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 can do with uh with the tax uh, not the, with the tax equity yes but the uh the power edge provider and uh, uh, but in no way will be will be exposed to more than than, than this. Than this, yeah. And to answer your second question, very important, uh, the revolver capacity is sufficient enough. Would come any uh, cash payment following any discussion or litigation process, and uh, no, it does not impair our ability to hit on uh, opportunity on any uh, option. Not at all. Uh, matter of fact, we have paid down the EMP loan uh, as at uh, January. We have option to refinance that portion. Uh, we have few options ahead of us. There's Griffin Trail equity that needs to be uh, invested in the second to third quarter. But looking ahead in terms of uh, availability on our revolver, we don't foresee any uh, issue. And most of all, we are pursuing our M&A activities uh, as strong as 
as before. So does not impact at all our ability to hit on that. Okay. And then um, the Griffin Trail sort of revenue projections have moved around, I assume it's on assumptions around the spot curve. But do you have a sense today as it stands? I mean, obviously there's a lot of volatility in pricing on the short end of the, of, of the forward curve. But what this might do to, to forwards and, your, and your, you know, where you think power prices will trend in Texas over the next three to five years? Well, uh, I, I think that, uh, Mark, we, we gave, the, when we did the financing of, uh, of Griffin Trail, it's something around $4, uh, $4 million, if I recall, uh, uh, Jean-Francois, that we, we gave on, a, on an average, uh, yeah. on an average uh, for the next five years, a little bit over $4 million. And it's unclear where this event, uh, Mark or Michelle, uh, could have an impact on future power price curves, or I think it's clearly understood that this is unprecedented and one-off. So, well, I, I think Mark, what we what we said is that we're pretty conservative in the curve we're you we're using for for uh, uh, we're using uh, wood Mackenzie without carbon. Now with Biden, uh, would it be? I, I would I would love to see a a federal tax on, on carbon somehow, somewhere, that would help definitely these uh, these future power pricing. Uh, also, uh, we've been conservative, uh, we think, in the basis uh, losses. You know that in Texas, you, you, you deliver on a node, and then sometimes you get uh, paid on the on the hub uh, pricing. So that is also playing in the, uh, in the assumption that we have uh, uh, put forward for Griffin Trail. Maybe an output also for these uh, these projects in uh, in Texas, not necessarily tomorrow, but I think that uh, the uh, all the uh, uh, ERCOT and and all the stakeholders that are now sitting down and looking at uh, this uh, past crisis and trying to uh, find a better solution for the future. Maybe they they need a lot more investment in their uh, interconnection and and also on all the transmission. Uh, capacity across uh, Texas, and they may get some federal help in order to do this. So uh, that might also improve uh, the market because uh, Texas has been known to be uh, volatile, but more interconnection and more uh, possibility to export from uh, Texas uh, would probably uh, reduce that volatility going forward. So, I, and I mentioned uh, green hydrogen. To, uh, you know that uh, in Texas, uh, even if they're not that green, in 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 a sense that they um, they they certainly have a lot of uh, Republican uh, uh, people in in Texas, which is all good. But they have also all kinds of uh, infrastructure that are consuming a lot of hydrogen, and I think that the uh, customer, the, uh, the 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 customer that uh, buys the these finished goods. Are starting to put more and more pressure on uh, the old process and, and reducing the the carbon footprint of uh, all that uh, industrial uh, output. And I think that uh, if uh, somehow some gr uh, green air, uh, hydrogen is available in Texas, uh, and uh, the south of Louisiana also have huge uh, uh, industrial uh, refi refineries. 
that uh, are consuming a lot of hydrogen. So if uh, somehow, somewhere, uh, they are becoming a buyer of uh, green energy in order to reduce their footprint, then suddenly I think that uh, electrolyzer will be installed in Texas uh, quicker than, you, than, than, than we thought uh, initially. Understood. Lots of different uh, factors at play there. Last question maybe for Jeff is the uh, operation and maintenance expense, the hydro segment, uh, higher in the quarter, higher year over year on the full year basis. Is there anything sort of one-off in the last year uh, in the hydro segment um, that drove sort of about a 10% increase um, in, the, uh, in the in the full year O&M cost? Well, Michel can comment as well, but I see that, uh, yes, this year was a bit of a catch-up, but we did less also capital expenditures in this year, so we went through more uh, operational expense to support the project. What I foresee is maybe more uh, capitalized expenditures in the months or quarter to come, uh, so maybe this year was a bit of a catch-up in terms of uh, O&M for uh, the project in BC. Yeah, uh, mainly uh, upper Lillouette and the, the HELP tax also was uh, was hoping that uh, we were to to have it reduced, and uh, I think that uh, next year will uh, will be good news on on that front. We're working hard to reduce this uh, exposure, but but don't uh, forget that yeah, that's a good point. So if you compare to 2019, 2019 was reduced by a gain that reduced operating expense by $3 million, I think, uh, because we had the recovery of the uh, litigation on the water tax. Yep. So don't compare it to 2019, but 2020 was a bit higher versus our budget as well. So. Got it. Thanks for, yep, thanks for the, uh, the time and, and the interest. Appreciate it. Your next question comes from Andrew Kuski from Credit Suisse. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Thanks. Good morning. I, I promise not to ask a question about Texas. <laughs> uh, Thank you. <laughs> maybe just focus a bit more broadly on, on your solar initiatives and the existing assets you have and then what's in the pipeline. Given the really regulatory permitting and construction of solar, do you see an opportunity to generate cash faster as you have more solar in your portfolio? Well, definitely solar takes, uh, especially in the United States, it's uh, a little bit quicker to, to, to do. Uh, for, 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 for some of you, you've, you've seen uh, Project Palomino came into, into the news in a few times uh, last, in the last few weeks in, in the States. So, Yes, we're very active on, on that project. It's a 200 megawatt uh, project in uh, in uh, Ohio. Uh, we're getting very advanced. We also have some very good uh, uh, discussion with uh, Offtaker, um, and and I think that we're seeing in the states a lot more willingness uh, from corporate uh, Offtaker to uh, take on solar uh, as well. Um, yeah, I mean, solar are being, uh, once they're built and then fully commissioned and, and what have you, are fetching quite a bit of a premium, I, I think. It, it, but when we can develop them, uh, we can certainly generate uh, a decent cash on cash on these projects uh, from our own uh, greenfield projects. So that's why we're quite enthusiastic about uh, our pipeline in the U.S. on, on that basis. We 
we said quite a bit uh, about it uh, uh, regarding the uh, investment we've done uh, about a year ago, a little bit more uh, more than a year in buying uh, the equivalent of uh, a little bit over 100 uh, megawatt of uh, solar panel. And this is all around this uh, idea of uh, pre-qualifying about 600 megawatts of uh, solar project in the state. So working really, really diligently and these projects have uh, to be uh, in service by 2023. So that's give you a little bit of a guidance uh, where we're heading in uh, in that direction. Okay, that's very helpful. And I guess my second question is for Jean-Francois, and, and it really comes down to just any increased flexibility you see associated with green financing and just the sustainability initiatives that are happening from virtually every bank globally on whether it means you know, more favorable lines of credit, uh, how you project finance, and could you quantify any you know, basis points that you're going to benefit from in, in, in the future? Well, it's, uh, it's a large question. I mean, of course, we're always on the look to improve, and those green bounds are there and uh, as a possibility. Right now, we're a bit uh, tied up with our project debt structure for the next few, we uh, few years. It's difficult to really reshape at the moment those project debt, given the the, the, the large makeup they have with uh, with some institutions. So we don't foresee that we can benefit so much in the next two to three years, unless Michel, you see. Well, uh, it's a but it's a very good question, and and we we've been inquiring quite a bit, and uh, of course uh, always open to uh, to receive some uh, some input from our friend uh, the the. The, the the merchant uh, bank and, and and what have you, but we have not seen a big uh, spread reduction just yet, but we we are seeing a lot of demand. So um, it's, it's just I think a matter of time when when we would see a little bit of benefit or spread uh, reduction for that uh, green bond. Um, I, I'm hopeful that uh, this is. Going to 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 start to uh, become a a big advantage for 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 us. Uh, anything that ESG, uh, as uh, as we know, is becoming more attractive. Also, my concern is a little bit of uh, what we've seen. Um, you guys, you must have seen it. A little bit of a green washing. There's a lot of uh, of uh, of issue that are borderline greenish in in, in my uh, in my uh, in my books so i think that um, as the market mature i think the the market will be more disciplined and the real green bond uh will become something uh sought after and hopefully we'll see a benefit in the uh in the uh spread so far, uh, we have, like Jean-Francois have said, we're, we're, we have not been so aggressive because we we have these structure. Although we have, if you remember, we have about 16 unencumbered assets that support the uh, credit line at the uh, at the uh, OCO. Uh, some of those projects have uh, now been the offered uh, new uh, PPA and could be theoretically a good target uh, to uh, yeah. take out as a as a portfolio for a green bond so quite quite interesting uh, interested in uh, in figuring out if we can uh, leverage this um but hopeful that going forward uh, this is uh, definitely 
helping, and uh, I, I, I'm very, um, uh, I'm very happy to see that uh, all the investors, uh, not all, but a lot of uh, of investors are putting more and more weight into the uh, ESG criteria uh, in their investment, and uh, and we've seen. Uh, some index uh, fund being uh, being created, some infrastructure fund uh, based on ESG criteria being uh, created. So, quite hopeful that uh, this um, uh, the this pool of money, uh, smart money, will uh, will help us being uh, uh, cost cap uh, that would bring our cost of capital uh, uh, being very competitive to um, not only us. I, I think the the renewable energy industry uh, will see a lot of uh, of uh, new uh, fund being uh, directed uh, to them, and this is good. I mean, uh, we uh, we have tremendous uh, opportunity to grow and to replace uh, the uh, fossil fuel uh, in, in the near future, and uh, and we'll need a lot of capital. And that capital has to be competitive for us to displace the fossil fuels. So I'm very hopeful that uh, this is going to help, and also that uh, fossil fuel will have a higher cost of capital and hence uh, the uh, total com- competitiveness of uh, of us uh, will will become uh, more clear going forward. That's very helpful. Thank you very much. Thank you. Your last question comes from Najee Baidun from IA Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Hi. Good morning. Um, good morning. I appreciate it's uh, it's early days in Texas, so so maybe we can talk a bit more about the longer term outlook. Uh, you you put out pretty strong uh, guidance for 2025. I'm just wondering if you can walk us through what's baked into your outlook in terms of organic growth, uh, how quickly you can move projects forward in the development pipeline, uh, yeah. and if you're factoring in any M&A uh, in, in that outlook. Yeah, M&E will play a, a role. We 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 said that uh, for the next uh, uh, the next few years, uh, we'll use it as a tool to rebalance because, as you know, we're spending you know over 20 million dollars in prospective expenses, and and uh, and we think that uh, if uh, opportunities arise, we we may be in a position to increase that a little bit. So, in order to balance this, uh, obviously, even if we're developing and we're successful in developing, uh, just the permitting and building and putting in commercial operation takes a, a few years. Uh, so m and is a tool that we're going to use. Now uh, we're going to be um, uh, laser focused on our uh, M&A. We want to create this as a balancing tool. We want to create value, but we want to create value also in our Greenfield project. Just to give you an idea, uh, we're set up to hopefully bring from our own greenfield projects something around 300 to 400 megawatt uh, of project per year now megawatt is is, is something that uh, will be uh, useful also to declare in the future but you know it, it will have to take also in consideration that we might have capacity batteries that uh, are not necessarily uh, megawatt based but are generating uh, cash flow uh, and investment opportunities. So I think that uh, if you if you think uh, forward of something of a run rate between 300 and 400 megawatt of a greenfield project, and the rest would be uh, balancing with uh, with M&A. I think that we have been set up in the last few years to to do one or two M&A acquisition per year. Um, 
this is this market is not easy. We, you know, in order to to be successful in one or two uh, acquisition per year, uh, we're looking at uh, something around 80. Where we, um, on an average year, we would send a letter of intent without, uh, you know, without being firm, probably around 80, 85, and then you're selected on, you know, I would say 10, 15. Uh, processes and uh, you know if you're successful in one on two that's uh, that's roughly the, the the average so it takes a lot of effort uh, but it it's also uh, is useful because you can select where you want to go where you want to diversify with m a so I know that m a uh, can be perceived sometimes as dilutive to um, uh, to shareholders but it depends on how we do it and it depends also if it's a tool to help uh, sustain also the payment of the dividend, and and also sustain the our ability to continue our own greenfield uh, development. That's uh, that's that's very helpful. Thank you. And uh, just to follow up on that, I I guess you know we're thinking about the three to four hundred of greenfield development a year. Uh, I mean, so so you're pretty confident on uh, being able to build out most of the um, sort of prospects in your mid and advanced stage development pipeline. Um, it's kind of what that implies, or, or do you think you'll also be looking to acquire additional development uh, projects uh, as you go along? Well, M&E, we, we, uh, it, uh, it, it all depends if uh, the premium that uh, that one has to uh, to pay for a development project is worth the uh, uh, is worth the, the, the return uh, or, or the, the, the risk that we're, we're taking. But um, you know, it goes pretty fast. Uh, you know, you, you know. Yes, we're confident in our pipeline. We're confident that uh, you know Palomino will will see the light of the day, and then we have a few more uh, solar projects that uh, are uh, pretty advanced as well. Uh, working in Chile, we have a few other leads in in Chile and in Canada. Uh, we were happy to see that uh, Quebec, uh, uh, Hydro Quebec, is now talking about future RFPs in, uh, in in Quebec. So uh, there will be opportunity in France. We Our intention is to have uh, at least one or two projects per year coming out of this uh, green field. So yes, we're, we're confident that we are uh, starting up. And, and mind you that it's only you know been three years roughly that uh, we have put a lot more effort in uh, the green field uh, development. Um, and now we're spending, like I said, something around 20-ish million dollars on, on prospective expenses, uh, and and we have hired more people. We have more people on the ground. We have uh, uh, we're more diversified also in our presence in the United States. So no, I'm 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 pretty confident that this uh, uh, this numbers is achievable for us. Uh, and, and just a related question, I guess, on on your overall funding or financing plans to, to achieve these objectives, I, I guess, similar to what you would have, uh, how you would have structured your growth in the past, a combination of tax equity, debt, and, and, uh, and financing? Yes. Uh, well, well, we'll see how tax equity evolves. Of course, uh, as the, the sunset clause is, 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 is slowing down, perhaps tax equity will become less of a of a, of a driver in the future for the United States. But in the meantime, uh, yes, it's uh, you know it's interesting to to take uh, tax equity as we we uh, to take advantage of the PTC of course. Um, 
Yeah, we, we like to have a balance of uh, project finance and tax equity. And, and of course, uh, equity component is, is always a, a big portion of these uh, financing or, or structure. Um, but uh, when when the uh, when when debt is cheap, uh, it's always interesting to take advantage of it. Just uh, just one last question, if I can. Um, it, I know it's been a year now, uh, and, and I appreciate it's been uh, uh, more difficult with the, with the pandemic. But just wondering if you can give us an update on on the Hydro Quebec Alliance, how that's going so far. You, you partner with them on, on one project uh, now in France. Um, just a, any more color on what we should expect uh, from that alliance uh, going forward? Well, like I said, I think storage is a big play. We want to we wanna take advantage of the great uh, uh, resources that Hydro-Quebec has, the great uh, uh, capacity to, uh, uh, to, uh, to give us support on interconnection and uh, studies of interconnection also. I'd love to be able to play a, a role with them in M&A. Uh, our team has uh, worked together on a few ones, uh, but like I, I, I told you, I mentioned that the the, the odds of or the you know you need to look at uh, many in order to be successful. So I, I wish ourselves uh, and the joint venture with Hydro Quebec uh, success for uh, some M&A also in the in the the year to come. Um, and, and working hard on uh, trying to, de to deploy the uh, storage uh, uh, investment opportunity. I think that uh, this is uh, becoming uh, mainstream in, uh, in, in all the market, and our intention is to be present and, and develop and take advantage of uh, the synergy of the two companies. But you know, it takes a little bit of time, right? And the COVID, unfortunately, has uh, not helped us in terms of being able to travel and meet. And uh, and so uh, I think that uh, it, it's just a matter of uh, us uh, starting to uh, make the ball rolling, and uh, and things will. Uh, uh, you'll, you'll you'll hopefully you'll see some good news in the next uh, few months on that. I appreciate that. Uh, thank you. Well, lots of helpful uh, details. Thank you. Mrs. Bachon, there are no further questions at this time. Thank you very much, and thank you, everyone. We'll uh, gather again in May for our next uh, conference call. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, you may now disconnect your lines. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.